Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Merry Christmas! What is this? Up to Neverland! Ho, 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 ho! Come in and know me better, man! Ho, ho! Merry, Merry Christmas! Merry, Merry Christmas! Merry, Merry Christmas! Merry, Merry Christmas! Oh, what a Merry Christmas! Take your pixie out of your pockets, Neverlanders. Sprinkle some of that pixie dust around. Grab your happiest thoughts, and we're flying away to Neverland again. I, of course, am your host, the Spider Pan Jeremy. And with me, wait a minute, where's Eric? Oh, that's right, Eric's in Disneyland and left me here to go to Neverland. Wait a minute, I'm not going by myself. I've got somebody to come with this. Everybody who has never listened to Diz Radio, you need to start listening to Diz Radio because we've got Jonathan Johnson with us from Diz Radio. Welcome, welcome, everybody. Glad I could be here. I can't be in Disneyland, but hey, what better place to be than here? Exactly. If you can't go to Disneyland, you go to Neverland because that's where the fun is. Now, the fun part about Jonathan is if you ever listen to his podcast, this is where it's, it, it can get really confusing really fast because there's almost like three names because you'll hear Disney Blue, you'll hear Disney On Demand, and you'll hear Diz Radio. Now, how did in the world did that happen and, and what are all these, these three different names for <laughs> well, that is a fun story over time. So, you know, anyone who doesn't know, of course, Diz Radio is where you want to go. DizRadio.com. Now, all those names came about because almost eight years ago, I originally started DisneyBlue.net, which is no longer around. And it was going to be the definitive Blu-ray archive for everything Disney, for Blu-ray movies, animated features, you name it. And uh, got about a year into that, created a podcast as a side supplemental thing, going through the movies and the television specials, kind of hyping up what was going to be coming out. So it was kind of like a, hey, Peter Pan's coming out on Blu-ray. Let's interview some people from Peter Pan. Let's do a couple of things. And then over time, you know, that kind of evolved into Disney On Demand because on-demand streaming services, things like that. Now, how it became Diz Radio is the show ended up just growing and continuing to grow. And we got team on board, and we have this team of people that started bringing other things. There's park news, and then we started doing movie reviews and music reviews. And it kind of encompassed more of a wonderful world of Disney for your ears. That was more of a radio show. So over the years, it's slowly been getting rebranded to just straight Diz Radio. Um, A lot of times you will hear it's just Disney Blues, Diz Radio now, and uh, it's a slow evolution because you have to introduce people to that over time. Um, But I still say all three, because if you still search all three, you will still find us. (laughs) And when you listen, you'll know you're on the right one, because Jonathan has like the perfect Disney host delivery. He sounds like he is somebody who'd be hosting a Disney special on TV. (laughs) I appreciate the compliment. (laughs) I, I I don't know about that, but... I try to get into that radio voice that uh, yep. 
that that uh, I forgot his name right offhand now, but uh, the guy who did Max Goof, you know, I, 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 I like that upbeat <laughs> Disney Channel style. Yeah. Because <laughs> really, you do kind of come through. You're like, hey, you know, it's a very exciting, very peppy. And I'm like, this sounds like a little bit like J.D. Roth used to be back on the old, what is it, Inside Disney or whatever he used to host. Oh, yeah. Disney Inside Out. Loved yeah. that show. J.D. Roth was the epitome of uh, all those kids things back then. Mm hmm. But uh, my goodness, uh, we got a few things I want to discuss that happened to me this week that are really cool. I finished my finals for the semester. Which was great, and uh, I actually had yet another five-minute Disney documentary uh, that I submitted in there. Uh, this time I did a little bit, and it is up on, of course, on the Neverland Podcast YouTube channel, where I did a little bit of the backstory of Walt Disney uh, and sharing a bit more of a personal story of after going to Walt Disney World for the first time and learning more about Walt Disney because of it. I wanted to know more about him and going to Marceline and all the things I've learned and how that has affected and changed my life. And I did a five-minute documentary, which everybody in class really seemed to like it, so that was good. I think I've got a good grade coming because the professor liked that this was more of a personal story. But one of my professors, this week, I've been you know doing advanced radio production, which is why probably I'm starting to get a lot better at the podcast. Who knows? Uh, but he told me, he says, by the way, you're going to be in performance for the media next semester with me, aren't you? I said, yeah. He says, okay, come over here. And he goes to his computer and he starts typing some stuff. We're going to have a special guest come in who kind of, he lives kind of locally and he's going to talk about some vocal performance and stuff like that. Oh yeah, it's this guy. And so he shows me the screen. I come around to the screen and I look at it and it's Tom Kane. Oh, fantastic. I love Tom Kane. You know that though. (laughs) Fantastic guy. I I love him. He was, he was a guest on our show, you know, voice of the monorail, voice of Yoda, Mm -hmm. uh, so many different things. Tom Kane is. Oh, yeah. Oscars. <laughs> and apparently does fantastic. some local radio with KMBC in Kansas City because he just lives in Overland Park. So he's going to come and talk about his work, I guess, with KMBC and some of his voice acting and performance. And I've talked to him a few times at convention, but I haven't gotten him in onto the show yet. So I'm going to be like, I'm going to wear my Neverland podcast shirt and like, hey, Tom, you know me. Nudge, nudge. Remember, you're supposed to come on the show one of these days. So... <laughs> <laughs> So I might even see if I'm allowed to record him in class and see if I can share that. So hopefully nothing falls through and that comes through because that's very, very exciting. So that's really cool. So anyways, uh, there was a uh, trailer that came out this week that, I don't know, maybe somebody's heard of this movie called Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. I think it's time to go to the trailer park. Mama, now the gator got in the house. Now the gator? Give me that sugar. Come here. The Neverland Trailer Park. So, uh, what are you dating like an accountant now? Owen. Ventriloquist? Stop it. You love a dummy. This is not why we're here. You can blame me. Try to shame me. I know why we're here. A rescue op. Save the dinosaurs from an island that's about to explode. What could go wrong? Blue is alive. You raised her. <laughs> Do these animals deserve the same protections given to other species? Or should they just be left to die? These creatures were here before us. And if we're not careful, they're going to be here after. 
you know me. cannot be contained. Life breaks free. Life finds a way. Now, I I figure you might be a fan of Jurassic Park movies like I am, right? Oh, definitely. Well, I'm a fan of the Jurassic Park movies. And, of course, I have a little boy who's obsessed with dinosaurs as well. <laughs> so you're ripe for this type of a film. Oh, definitely. And they've really been hit or miss because uh, the first one is fantastic. I saw that uh, in the teens and the amount of times I saw that in theaters. I loved the first one so much. Second one, not so much. Third one was kind of, okay, what's going on? And anyone who listens to the show here recognizes that I was a little skeptical when Jurassic World was coming because I was like, I don't know. They kind of went downhill, but I really loved Jurassic World. It was a great film. How about you? I love Jurassic World. I mean, it was a good reboot without being a reboot. So it was mm-hmm. a sequel, yet a reboot. And, you know, me personally, the best part was having Margaritaville and showing Jimmy Buffett running, saving the margaritas from the dinosaurs tromping through the downtown. <laughs> Yes. Um, plus, of course, our Disney connection and having Chris Pratt, Star-Lord himself, there is a major character. Also, he had Bryce Dallas Howard, who we would later see in Pete's Dragon, which I did enjoy that one. Uh, I, I don't have a copy of that on Blu-ray, I just realized, because I, I really like that new Pete's Dragon. It's a lot more serious, and it's very different, but it was a good movie. So there's our Disney connection of why we're allowed to talk about this on my Disney show. But so now we've got this trailer for Fallen Kingdom, and it appears the plot is... There's a volcano or something going to go off on the island. And so because he's got a raptor that was his friend, we're going back to the island to grab the animals and bring them somewhere. Now, wasn't this sort of the plot of the Lost World where we were capturing some of the animals, but we needed to rescue the animals and some people who were dumb enough who think it would be a good idea to bring dinosaurs to the mainland? And I kind of remember that not going over so well. So I have no idea why they seem to be repeating this idea in this film. Well, you know, I look at it as they're doing the exact same thing they did with Jurassic World because it's a reboot without being a reboot. It's Jurassic World was here's a theme park. Here's dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. That's the first Jurassic Park. Now it's let's go back to the island, save some dinosaurs. Now we're on the lost world. So it's a reboot without being a reboot, but still being a sequel. Yeah. And (laughs) I can't say that this really got my attention. I was kind of disappointed. Well, I, I think I'm, I'm okay with wanting to see it. I think it'll be all right. I think the biggest thing is, all right, well, now we've explored the theme park. What can we do to up the ante to make it fun, have them go back, have the suspense? And, of course, for all of us older fans of Jurassic Park, you know, you got Jeff Goldblum in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, and, and I know it's only going to be a small little snippet. You know, he's not going to be some major role in there. But 
I think it'll be fun and I think it'll be different. The biggest question I have is did nobody ever look at a fault line to realize that there was a volcano on this island before they <laughs> built a theme park? Bing, you nailed it right there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's build this theme park, but hey, there's a volcano. Yeah, you'd think you would have noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> I had not thought of that. You are so right there. So, yeah, I, my skepticism jumped right up on this, and even though I was pretty excited. But the one thing that worries me sometimes with, with a type of movie like this is you you really have to stretch it sometimes to come up with a good excuse to come back to the island because you already know, you know, it's a bad idea to go back there when there's all these dinosaurs that they consider you to be a source of food. Generally a good idea, sort of like in a Jaws movie, generally a good idea to just not go back into the water when you know that these sharks keep showing up. So it's kind of like the, the the sequels to Jaws slowly went down and down, and you more increasingly were like, why do they just keep going back into the water? <laughs> well, yeah, and you know, and my biggest thing is, what are they trying to set up for? Because I already know that they are going to make three of these. So then, what are they trying to set up for? What is going to be that twist where it's going to make us really care about any of these characters anymore? Other than the fact that we love Chris Pratt. <laughs> <laughs> well. As Star-Lord. Yeah. Jurassic World, uh, give or take. I'm all right with it. Yeah. Well, I still like Bryce Dallas Howard, too. I, I haven't seen her in that many movies, but I've liked her in everything she did. And she's Ron Howard's baby girl. Come on. <laughs> I just, whenever I think of her, I just think The Village. Yes. I actually liked that movie. Yeah, that was before, uh, yeah, before uh, M. Night decided to spiral out of control where his movies just stopped making sense. Yeah. And that's where I stopped watching his movies, too, because I heard... <laughs> All righty. So, so, yeah, so far, I'm not that excited about it, but you know, I have a feeling I'm going to wind up going to see it anyway because it's a Jurassic Park movie. <laughs> you know, they're <laughs> always fun. And it was neat. We got to see the Carnotaurus, you know, that we're kind of familiar with from yeah. Disney. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, it's the kind of it's the kind of movie where you're going to see it no matter what, just because it may not be great. It may not be super memorable, but you're still going to enjoy it no matter what. We'll hopefully have a very good time and have a nice review whenever it comes out, which I believe is this summer. Definitely. And, uh, well, of course, and then, you know, you always want to have it at summertime because, uh, you know, you don't want to pump the rival parks. But, you know, just in time to pump it for uh, vacation season. Exactly. (laughs) But speaking of movies that need to be reviewed, let's go to the review. There'll be spectacle, there'll be fantasy, there'll be daring do and stuff like you would never see. Hey, a movie! Yeah, we're gonna be a movie! Starring everybody and me. Boy, I wish I were you people seeing this for the first time. Hermit, I got a great picture of the chicken! Oh, good! Alright, so... Uh, granted, I think I'm probably a week late because I guess this opened out last weekend, but I didn't get an opportunity to go and check it out until this weekend. But I went ahead and took the time because I was pretty excited about it. The Man Who Invented Christmas. Now, how do I get my excuse for why I can talk about this on a Disney show? Because the main actor playing Charles Dickens also played the Beast. Hello. And now, I, for some reason, I can't think of that actor's name, though. <laughs> I want to call him Ken or something, but that's probably wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I am going to look him up real fast. 
it's not yeah what's his name it's not robbie benson but it's uh yeah it's and it's he was also in another well basically disney series with a marvel series called uh legion which i did watch and it was it was pretty good uh it was very weird and uh very uh grown up so uh i, I can't actually recommend it officially on the show uh dan stevens there he is that's that's his name there we go who you know some you know some people are hit or miss on the live action Beauty and the Beast. I know Eric didn't like it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. But we have another yeah. Disney connection, Jonathan Price from the Pirates of the Caribbean series. And he is also from one of my favorite Disney movies, Something Wicked This Way Comes. Indeed. Yes, and he play like the devil or something? He yes, he plays Mr. Dark. Mr. Dark. I haven't gotten to see that. I want to see it so bad. Yes, I love Jonathan Price in that. Forget mm-hmm. the pirate movies. That's where he shines. <laughs> I'm sure because yeah, he doesn't get a lot to do in the pirate movies. Although he's 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 comical, so he, he is, is fun. Definitely different than something wicked this way comes. He is more yeah. serious, and of course, he's like 35 years old, right? And I even still <laughs> like him in Tomorrow Never Dies from the James Bond series as a evil media mogul who is generating his own war just so he can sell his uh, news services and stuff like that. He was very good in that one too. Definitely, yeah. So we've got some connection in there in this film, but uh, this is, I'm sure, very fanciful. I don't know any specific details of Charles Dickens' life. I've never studied up on the man personally. So I wasn't expecting, though, because it's a movie, that it was going to necessarily be very truthful. Now, there is some bits of truth given in a text form at the beginning at the end to help set up where where Charles Dickens is in this point in his life. He has just come off of a tour in the United States, which we get a little look at, because Oliver Trist has been a fantastic selling book, even internationally. But he suddenly has now written three flops, and money's starting to get a little tight, and he's a little afraid of going poor. Now, I'm sure there's some truth to the fact that uh, his father had been thrown in debtor's prison when he was about 11 years old, and he ended up working in a, a shoe polish type or a, like a blackening uh, type of stuff for boots uh, because there were, you know, the labor camp, you know, labor camps isn't, I guess, the right word. But, you know, you had a child workforce uh, and workhouses for the poor and debtor's prisons. If you owed money and you couldn't make your payments on time, they'd throw you in prison for that. It was a really, really rough society at the time. Uh, and my wife, who loves Jane Austen books, has, you know, said, yeah, this, it's the same way in Jane Austen books you have this we are the gentlemen and we are the higher class and we look down upon the poor well because Charles Dickens had come from that poor area and I'm sure this is very much was part of his personality that helped inspire writing the Christmas Carol he saw the way the uh, upper class looked down upon the poor and realized there's a serious problem it's like we need to be helping these people not looking down on them and throwing them into prison when they can't make a payment so he really has a big issue on there, and that's where he starts writing A Christmas Carol, coming from that area, to, in a way, shame all the upper class into, you know, being a bit more charitable. Uh, now, I don't want to get too much into some plot, but along the way, as he's developing these characters, and it's very fun where you see people he comes in contact with and things that say they say you'll recognize as lines from any Christmas Carol adaption you've come across. Those bits of dialogue come out and people he runs across. Uh, also, how the Cratchits seem to be inspired by his sister and her husband and their crippled son. It seems to be the, where the Cratchits come from. That's that's where at least the movie says. So it's very interesting to see how this comes around. But the overall heart of this story isn't just he's trying to have people look and say, hey, the poor are people that we need to help them and not throw them in prison. 
But there's also some of his own personal issues that he needs to work through that I don't want to say too much because it's part of the story that they haven't even advertised. But it really gives some of the heart of where this actual story is going to where you see Charles Dickens learning a lesson himself and seeing where he himself has not learned the entire lesson of Christmas. Uh, But overall, this was a fantastic family film. You can take the whole family to this. There's some parts that may be a little scary for some of the kids. If they're frightened by any version of the Christmas Carol, they might find it a little scary. And they might not necessarily understand some of the subtext of the bitterness that uh, Charles Dickens has for uh, another character that I won't say who. Uh, But it really has great lessons about letting go of bitterness and forgiveness and uh, and being able to love people even when they have wronged you. And you might be well and good to be angry with that person, but you have to learn to let that anger go. So there's a good, strong lesson in there. Great feelings of Christmas. The music was fantastic. The acting was great. I enjoyed this movie thoroughly. High on my recommendation list. And Jonathan, you said you hadn't seen it yet. I'm going to even recommend to you, you're going to love this movie. Take the kids. Have a great time. Definitely. I mean, like I said, I have not been able to see this yet, but it is one on my list for this Christmas season, and I, I'm hoping it's as good as you say. Oh, yes. I really enjoyed it, and it made, that's the what made me think, you know what? I need to go and get myself a copy of the book because I think when I was in maybe fifth grade, I sat down and tried to read the book. And I don't know if I ever finished it, but I, I've only got like audiobooks, and I've seen movies of it. So I went to Barnes & Noble yesterday looking specifically for a copy of this, and I wanted a hardcover. And the fun part is I found a $20 book that had uh, the full Christmas Carol. It had uh, the complete telling of A Visit from St. Nicholas, also known as The Night Before Christmas. And also had something that was later turned into a Rankin-Bass special called The Life and Times of Santa Claus. But speaking of good Christmas stories, uh, let's go and visit and have some Neverland story time. And uh, let's hear the story of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. This is your Neverland story time. You can listen along with your MP3 device. You will know it is time to listen when you hear the chime like this. Let's begin now. This is the story of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. You can read along with me in your book. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the Christmas chimes ring like this. Let's begin now. Once there was a reindeer named Rudolph who lived at the North Pole in Toyland. Rudolph was younger and smaller than the other reindeer there. They all had proud, tall antlers. Rudolph's antlers were only tiny stubs. Worst of all, Rudolph had a big, bright, red nose. It was so red, it glowed in the dark. Poor Rudolph. He wanted to be like the other reindeer in Toyland. Oh, to have a small brown nose instead of a big, bright red one. The other reindeer made fun of Rudolph and called him names. Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer. They teased over and over again until tears glistened on Rudolph's large red nose. Sometimes the other reindeer circled around Rudolph kicking up snowballs with their tiny hoofs and covering Rudolph with a blanket of white, fluffy snow. All the reindeer loved to play games. They played tree tag and snow slide 
and Tumblebones. But Rudolph was never asked to play. He stood behind a pine tree and watched. He was very lonely. Rudolph couldn't even play hide-and-seek with the rabbits. His glowing red nose gave him away every time. Before Christmas Eve, Santa's elves posted a sign on the gate to Toyland. Santa's team-choosing time, the sign said. All the reindeer were asked to line up at 8 o'clock in the meadow. Santa Claus was coming to choose the team that would help deliver presents to every good little boy and girl in the world. The reindeer fairly danced with excitement when they heard the news. They pranced and tossed their antlers and pawed the snowy ground with their hoofs. Each reindeer hoped he would be chosen to guide Santa's sleigh. It was the greatest honor a reindeer could ever have. Rudolph sighed. He was ashamed to have Santa see his bright red nose. So he decided to hide. At eight o'clock, when all the other reindeer had gone to the meadow, Rudolph hid behind a holly hedge. His bright red nose blended in with the bright red berries, and the thick growth of leaves concealed the rest of him. No one would find him there. Down in the meadow, all the hopeful reindeer stood in a line, waiting to be inspected by Santa himself. Santa had to choose carefully. Only the fastest, the strongest, and the best reindeer would do. I think Dasher will be fine. He's the biggest reindeer, said Santa. Dasher, wrote his elf assistant in a big book. And Dancer is the strongest, said Santa, pulling his beard. Dancer, wrote the elf. Ho-ho, let's see, continued Santa. Here's Prancer, and here's Vixen. They make the smoothest landings on rooftops. Comet is the fastest, and Cupid is the most sure-footed, said Santa. I picked them. At last, I choose Donder and Blitzen. They're best at twisting over treetops and skimming over telephone poles. The reindeer in Santa's team were very happy. They rubbed noses. They danced and clicked their antlers together. Even the reindeer who weren't chosen were given good jobs. One was to try out electric trains. Another was to cuddle Christmas kittens. The only reindeer without a job was Rudolph. He wanted to help, but he knew he would be laughed at. So he stayed hidden behind the holly hedge. At last, it was Christmas Eve. Santa's elves were busy packing the sleigh. In fact, everyone was busy, except Rudolph. Finally, he could stand it no longer. I don't care if they do make fun of me. I want to help, too. He dashed from his hiding place behind the hedge and went to find Santa. There must be something I can do to help. was bitter cold, and a terrible fog covered all the earth. Santa's elves kept bumping into each other as they hitched up the team. 
They could hardly see as they put on each bright red harness and tied each jingle bell. To make matters worse, Dasher and Dancer were fighting over who was to be lead reindeer. I was chosen first, said Dasher, stamping angrily. But you always trip over the moon, said Dancer. Santa was worried. We'll never get there if you two don't stop quarreling. And where is my Christmas list? Dash it all, I can't see a thing in this fog. Just then, a soft red glow lit up the snow. Thank goodness, said Santa. I've found my list. <laughs> I must have tucked it in my belt. Who brought me this fine lantern? asked Santa. I must take it with me. Why, I can see perfectly now. It's not a lantern, said Rudolph, trembling. The light comes from my... my nose. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, said Santa. I'm certainly glad to see you. Your light will guide my sleigh tonight. I appoint you head of my team and number one reindeer in all the world. Rudolph was very proud. Now he realized how special he was, and he would never again feel ashamed of his glowing nose. Rudolph held his head high. Proudly, he pranced to the front of the team. All the other reindeer bowed. Donder and Dancer helped Rudolph put on his harness, and Cupid gave him a beautiful sprig of holly berries. Then down, down through the clouds and over the sleeping houses, Santa and his team flew on that foggy Christmas Eve. And leading the whole procession was Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer. So, if you see a soft glow in the sky on Christmas Eve, you can be sure that Rudolph, the most famous reindeer of all, is very near. Thank you. 
couldn't believe his eyes. It was the ghost of his dead partner, Marley. Devastating. 
We've talked about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. We've heard his story. And we've talked about the life and times of Santa Claus. There's something these two uh, stories have in common. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I know we all know. I mean, this isn't. these aren't Disney-made, but if, if there was a Disney of Christmas, this would be the company. Rankin Bass. And for Definitely. many of you, I say that, and everybody has visions of all kinds of different Christmas specials jumping in their head. I'm sure. Well, oh yeah, definitely. I mean, Rankin Bass is the epitome of when it comes to the Christmas specials. I mean, everything that you can think of for Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman, Year Without Santa Claus, uh, Life and Times of uh, of Santa Claus. Let's see, Frosty's Winter Wonderland. I could go on and on and on and on. I mean, there's a ton. Little Drummer Boy, you name it. Rankin Bass created these stop motion uh, animated classics that we all know and love. Oh, yes. And uh, my goodness, I I found this website that had a, a list of pretty much everything they had ever done. And it was a long list coming from the 1960s all the way up. I think I saw one that was they did a Santa baby with Eartha Kitt in 2001. Yes, that was their actual last, uh, their last holiday produced one, actually. My goodness. And I hadn't realized they'd done it. So I, that's one I'm going to have to still see. 
Yeah, well, you know, and they've done so much. I mean, Arthur Rankin Jr. and Jules Bass have created some of the most long-standing things. Now, not just them as well, because there are other people that are just as instrumentalists that everybody knows, like uh, Romeo Mueller, as mm-hmm. well as Maury Laws. I mean, those names don't get as much because they're not in part of the, I guess, the title, Rankin Bass Productions. Right. But Maury Laws is the person that was the musical director for almost all of their productions. And Romeo Muller was the one who was pretty much a consistent contributor. He wrote most of the Mm -hmm. specials and all of that as well. So it's really these four guys created our holiday classics. Oh, yes. And the first one I really want to dive into is the one everybody loves. It's on the top of your list. And from when I was looking at this, it looks like this may have been the very first one. On December 6th of 1964, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Yes, ultimate classic. Yes, a great classic. Everybody loved this one, especially because, you know, it was based off of the, the song that was written almost 10 years earlier um mm-hmm. you know by jo- with johnny marks you know and it was a b-side to a record it wasn't <laughs> even like the the hit track so then to go through and make this into a special and this special is one that everybody loves and there's so much controversy with how different this special has aired over the years Yep, uh, it was actually a poem written by Robert L. May. He was an advertising copywriter for Montgomery Ward. And then Johnny Marks actually was his brother-in-law and wrote the music. And so, of course, they got Johnny Marks to come and write all the original songs for this special. And apparently he even made famous I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day and Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree. So, Definitely. Uh, but, oh my gosh, uh, let's see, because you got Jingle, 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 We Are Santa's Elves, There's Always Tomorrow, then, of course, my favorite were a couple of misfits. Uh, fame, <laughs> fame and Fortune was actually one I think that was cut away. Uh, I think on some of the DVD releases, they've you can see this song, though. Well, yes, I can't can think of it off the top of my head. Yeah, you can still see it on some of the DVD releases as supplemental material. Um, but Fame and Fortune was one that was released when it aired at other points as well. Um, it's a great, fantastic track that was used, uh, you know... It, it's really a tough one to explain. It's one that people are going to have to look up and actually hear. But it's, you know, Yukon is singing this great song about finding fame and fortune um, before he was worried about silver and gold. Yeah, which silver and gold. I love that that song as well. Good old Burl Ives. <laughs> uh, and that's, oh, that's one of the things. I love how Rankin-Bass specials would have like a celebrity guest narrator. And, of course, we got Burl Ives as Sam the Snowman in this. Uh, I love that. And then the most wonderful day of the year, a holly jolly Christmas, which... I, I'm guessing originated from this special, and then Burl Ives made it super famous and has been re-recorded many times. Because I haven't found any other writers that mentioned other than really than uh, uh, Johnny Marks. So, as far as I know, this is where that song came from. I'm going to look that yeah. up real quick just to be sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, and this special has so many great things. So like you mentioned, you know, fame and fortune, um, you know, which ended up getting pulled off of many of the DVDs and where a couple of misfits ended up going in with a reprise for that instead. Um, you know, there's other things, too, that people don't realize. Like at the end, when Santa goes back to the island of misfit toys, that actually didn't happen in the original airing of Rudolph. Um, <laughs> right. I heard about they, that. Right. They ended up getting, uh, you know, kind of letters from people saying, what happened to these toys? And why isn't he going back? <laughs> so they quickly animated a new credit scene uh, for the following year when it aired. Awesome. Uh, I did a quick research. Originally, the Holly Jolly Christmas song was recorded by the Quinto sisters in 1962. But of course, Burl Ives singing it in Rudolph made it super popular. 
<laughs> so there's the origin of that song. I figured I better look it up because I was like, it just lists the songs, but it didn't say who wrote every song because I knew not all of them were directly, you know, from Johnny Marks. Okay, good to know. Soundtrack album was released in 1964 on Decca Records. Uh, and this one has a, a great a lot of edits and everything. In fact, one of the ones that I found very, very interesting, a uh, great mystery that was solved. I got the 50th anniversary DVD where you'd always see Yukon Cornelius. He'd throw his pickaxe into the area and hit ground. He'd pick it up and he'd start licking it. And I didn't think of that as being that weird when I was a kid. But when you get older, you're like, why is he looking? Is he supposed to taste silver and gold? But there's a <laughs> deleted scene that you can see in the 50th anniversary re-release where he goes out and he does it. You know, the pickaxe hits the ground and he looks at it and he goes, ha, I found it. Peppermint. I'll be rich. So he was actually <laughs> looking for peppermint the entire time. <laughs> right. Well, and he's looking for the peppermint mines and all of those things, which, like you said, it's one of those that now in the 50th anniversary, you know, you can see. And that peppermint mine scene originally was not restored for many, many years. And it still hasn't been part of the re-airings on television to this day. Um, you know, so what you see in those extras on the anniversary is, you know, I say that they should go back in and restore it correctly and put it back into the special. Yeah, and even in recent showings, I've noticed they've cut a scene out uh, with uh, uh, with Rudolph and uh, oh my gosh, the name went right out my head. Uh, Hermie, there's there's a scene with Rudolph and Herbie that, that I've noticed is gone. Right. Well, and the 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 newest releases, you know, uh, there's they've altered so many different things over mm-hmm. the years. I mean, especially on the Blu-ray, the Blu-ray has the coloring wrong. Yukon's wearing the wrong clothes, and everyone's like, "Well, maybe that's the real color." No, it's not. It was restored incorrectly whoops <laughs> so i guess i will not be buying the blu-ray version then i'll just keep my dvd if you can find the old i forgot what year it came out there was a cbs released version um probably late 90s early 2000s um they were done by golden books those are actually really good they have great supplemental material with introductions by arthur rankin jr some behind the scenes animation cells and you can get that for rudolph frosty and Santa Claus is coming to town. Ooh, okay. That'll be, that'll be my treasure hunt for the internet, I guess. Because <laughs> I saw you posted some pictures in the Rankin-Bass group of, some, of talking to Jules Bass and Arthur Rankin Jr. and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, these are cool. I don't think that's on my versions. So <laughs> definitely, okay, something to look for. Uh, this has a great cast, though. Billy Mae Richards played Rudolph. Paul Souls as Hermie. Larry Mann as Yukon Cornelius. Stan Francis played Santa Claus and, and King Moonracer. Uh, Paul Kligman as Donner and Combat the Coach. Janice Orenstein, or Steen, as Clarice. Alfie Scop was Fireball, Charlie in the Box, and some other elves. Carl Bannis as the Elf Foreman, the Spotted Elephant, and other toys. Corinne Conley as Dolly and others. Peg Dixon as Mrs. Claus and Mrs. Donner. Bernard Cohen as Clarice's father. And uh, apparently they don't know who played Hank. But one thing I always <laughs> found interesting about the Elf Foreman... As when he's in the, in the back there in the workroom, he's all gruff and wow, he's very mean. But then you get out there in front of Santa and hello, Santa, we're going to sing a song for you. <laughs> well, that's just true to real life, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I often wonder because I had heard that song had been uh, deleted and they brought it back, I think, sometime in the late 80s, early 90s. I wondered if maybe that was not Carl Bannis who had done the voice in that song, that, but they had got the song recorded. And then they decided maybe to not use it. I, I always wondered about that. Right. Well, and there's so many different things and how these were put together and changed over the years and altered over the years. And, mm-hmm. you know, that could be a possibility. Makes you say, hmm. <laughs> 
Alrighty, but the next one here, December 7th, 1969, Frosty the Snowman. Oh my goodness, I happy birthday, you know? <laughs> well, you can't go wrong with Frosty, I mean, at all. You just can't go wrong, especially with like, uh, you know, Jackie Vernon as Frosty. It's the epitome mm-hmm. of the voice, and June Foray. I mean, anything right. with June Foray when it comes to voice acting is iconic. Exactly. And uh, I believe, that, yeah, this is where we get Paul Freeze making an appearance as Santa Claus and a traffic cop. Yeah, there's our Disney connection, Paul Freeze. <laughs> right. He, he's not haunting us. He's not telling us to, you know, go anywhere. Instead, he's telling a magician to write things a hundred zillion times. Exactly. <laughs> Gave him lines. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this is great. I mean, this is a, a little break from the tradition of Rankin Bass. We always think of the stop motion animation. And this having that hand-drawn style, but yet a very unique style to the look of the characters that still pays, you know, it's very reminiscent to the uh, the puppets that they usually create. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, in some of the supplemental material, too, that I have, uh, that I've watched over the years, because, as you know, aside from Disney, I'm a big Rankin-Bass fan. So, you know, aside from that, you know, some of the things I've seen is they wanted to create something that was not the epitome of Disney for animation. Um, Arthur Rankin Jr. said that they wanted to go completely different because at the time, Disney was kind of the, you know, that was the A-list. That's what everybody was striving to look like. Mm -hmm. So what he did is he went through Christmas cards, classic Christmas cards, different things he saw that he liked and wanted to bring a Christmas card to life in the style of the animation. Huh. And yeah, I guess you can kind of see that. It does have a very Christmas course. Maybe it's just because I think of Christmas anytime I see any of this stuff. But I can see this, though, being a Christmas card-like. Of course, I don't know. I don't have a lot of 1960s Christmas cards to reference. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but, you know, it does have that that twinkle, that fun illustrative look, mm-hmm. that those hard-lined edges. It's, it's really nice, you know. And it does complement, of course, because that era, you know, you have Inca Inca do himself Jimmy Durante as the yes. narrator. Yes. Yes, I absolutely love that. And his he's able to, I guess, sing somewhat in tune, but he was he wasn't a great singer, but he just had his style that you'd love it anyway when he would he would sing a song. Well, I, I say sing a song in quotes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like I said, his song Inca Inca Do was always good. So and then <laughs> yeah. he also he also sings a version of Frosty the Snowman on mm-hmm. a classic LP called Sentimental Journeys, where he sings it along with why am I drawing a blank on her name right now? The little girl from the original Miracle on 34th Street. Oh, um, um ah, drawing a blank on her name. I'm but he does blank too. He does a fantastic rendition of Frosty on that as well with her. Ah, and probably very similar style of Frosty the Snowman. <laughs> ah, cha cha cha. You know, <laughs> that's that's just his style. Yeah, he he had a, such an iconic voice. That you really you know, can't say anything that bad about it. When you hear it, it's undeniably him. Oh, definitely. You know, and the style of all this stuff, too. I mean, another person that's connected highly with Rankin Bass is Paul Coker Jr. And he is the mm-hmm. production designer for so many different things and created a lot of those iconic looks for a lot of Rankin Bass productions. Yeah. The name we were looking for, the actress who played Susan Walker, uh, that sang Frosty with Jimmy Durante, that was Natalie Wood. That's her name. I, you know, I should have known that too. West Side Story, everything else. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. You know, it should have, it should have popped in my head. Oh yes, she did so many different things. Uh, this one though, it doesn't have a, a whole lot of extra songs or anything. It just has Frosty the Snowman. But this is the first Rankin Back special that my wife will tell you made her cry the first time she saw it, <laughs> because Frosty got melted. Oh. I guess I could see that. 
Yeah. And really, the the fun thing is, you know, the, the, the song Frosty the Snowman isn't really a Christmas song. I mean, you could call it a winter solstice song. But I like the way that they took the song and said, well, let's make a Christmas-related story. And so they had getting to the North Pole and asking for Santa's help and him, him being made out of Christmas snow, made it special where he could come back after he's melted. Oh, I'm sorry. I spoiled the ending. <laughs> but So I like that they, they found a way to make it more Christmas. Well, definitely. I mean, they made it Christmassy. It's this great timeless classic. Like you said, it could take place not necessarily in Christmas as well, but they made it that way. Now, you know, whereas your wife is crying because he melted, you know, me growing up watching this and even to this day, the part that really gets me is when they stop for a train to pass by, yet they're stopped and the train is passing behind them. (laughs) I don't understand why they stopped to let the train to pass by then. I have no idea. They see well. A lot of these specials, you don't want to stop and ask questions because, like in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the Island of Misfits toys, there's a water gun that shoots jelly. Well, then you just loaded the wrong thing into the water gun. He should be just fine. Well, just yeah, put water and, in it. And don't get me started on that too, because there's yeah. also the the bird that likes to swim, and at the end they toss him out of the back of the sleigh without an umbrella to coast him down. <laughs> and I still never figure out what was wrong with that doll. Right. Well, and and why is Rudolph's dad down on the ground saying, that's my boy, when he's leading Santa away? (laughs) Yeah, shouldn't Donner be on the team? So there's a lot of inconsistencies. But for Frosty, that one, I was always like, why are they stopping? (laughs) And the train is going behind them. Just keep going. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it's still a great special. Yeah, still love it. It's still a great special. And, you know, it's timeless, like I said. And, of course, Maury Laws, once again, did the music. Um, And that special is actually directed by him as well. Uh, you know, like I said, consistent contributor to Rankin Bass and that mm-hmm. brand. And of course, there was the sequel. Now, I'm not talking about that really horrible, not Rankin Bass sequel called Fro- Frosty Returns, the Frosty's Winter Wonderland. And we're not going to get too far into that one on this show. But yeah. if you want to watch a good one, Andy Griffith narrates it. And of course, Paul Fries comes back as Jack Frost. And it's a great one from 1976. And of course, Disneyland Records released that one as an LP as well. Oh, well, cool. See, look, Disney connection. Yeah, and I do love that one. The only thing that ever bothered me is if you've seen the Rankin-Bass Jack Frost, you get a completely different sort of character, and he's a lovable type of character to where when he comes into this one and he's Mr. Jealous because everybody's paying attention to Frosty and not to him, it kind of is like, oh, why has he got to be the bad guy? You know, because I like Jack Frost on the other special, but eh, what you going to (laughs) do? Yeah, well, you know, not all of us can whistle in, whistle in uh, cold weather, you know? Yeah, which would be a really good trick. I mean, you know, Elsa doesn't even blow air through her mouth. She's, but she can make a dress somehow or another with snow power. So, you know, we got to give her that. So. <laughs> right. Well, in Frosty, like I said before, too, if you want the ones that it's not the most clean transfer, but you want the one with the best supplemental materials and special introductions, the 1998 uh, Golden Books ones. You can get Frosty on those DVDs as well. Yeah, and I actually had a uh, the little Golden Books of Frosty the Snowman, but it wasn't the Rankin Bass, but it basically had the lyrics to the song and had all these great illustrations uh, and everything. It was really, really fun. I bet a lot of people might remember that one. He was more the... Uh, uh, ball design of a typical snowman where it's you know the big one and the small the medium one and the small it's all stacked up and you put the coal buttons and the coal eyes and stuff like that oh yeah there's a great old little golden book so i don't know if you can get that anywhere but uh, it had like a paintings for all the different pictures uh very very fun 
But moving on to another fantastic one, and this was the beginning of Mickey Rooney playing Santa in at least two of these specials. I've heard there's like a trilogy of them, but I only can think of two. But uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, which aired December 14th in 1970. Also, yes. great narrator, Fred Astaire. <laughs> yeah, this is a this is a good one. Fred Astaire, of course, is always a great narrator, and he you know he went on to narrate a few different specials for Rankin Bass as well, because he also did the Easter Bunny is Coming to Town as well, which is another great special with Fred Astaire, where he reprises his role oh, yeah. as the as the postman. Yeah, S.D. Kluger. <laughs> yep, and uh, and yeah, like you said, this started Mickey Rooney playing Santa Claus, of course. Mm-hmm. In this, he also, The Year Without Santa Claus, um, and another one that he played Santa Claus in actually wasn't created by Rankin Bass, but it was done in stop motion, and it was paying tribute, and it was the Miser Brothers Christmas. And oh. this came out about five, six years ago, maybe, maybe a little bit longer, sometime within that frame. Yeah, I haven't watched that one because I wasn't so sure if it was going to be good. It's it's okay. You can tell it's not Rankin Bass. Mm-hmm. The songs lack a little bit, but it's still nice because you have the original Heat Miser and the original Santa reprising their roles. That's pretty cool, at least. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's definitely fun on that aspect. But, yeah, this one is a great one. Tells the story, kind of explaining to people why does Santa wear a red coat? Why does he have his name? Why is he known as different things? And... Uh, you know, like we mentioned before, it has, you know, Rankin, Bass, uh, Romeo Mueller, Marty Laws, the same four, uh, as well yep. as Paul, Paul Coker Jr. being the designer of it all. Those guys always bring in that style to life. Yep. Uh, you have one Eddie Cantor song, uh, the Christmas song, which was brought, was sung in this one, but also a lot of originals that I, I did not see exactly who wrote all the songs in this one. But you've got a great list here. I mean, the Foist, to- Foist, the Foist ones, uh, the first toy makers to the king, uh, no more toy makers to the king. Be prepared to pay. Uh, put one foot in front of the other. I love that song. I take a bit of a spiritual meaning on that as well. Uh, my world is beginning today. What better way to tell you? And of course, Santa Claus is coming to town, which is of course a classic song. And you know, when you got a classic song like that, of course. You know, they were on a roll with making Christmas specials based off of these beloved songs. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, they were they hit their stride realizing, all right, all we have to do is take these, make them kid friendly and the entire family is going to eat it up. Oh, yeah. And what's fun about this is you think you're going to get like that typical evil, magical villain when you get introduced to the uh, the winter wizard. And then as we're still in the beginning of it, we're surprised by the fact that you give him a toy train and his anger and hatred and everything just melts away. <laughs> and I love that. It's like, oh, a sudden twist. And then you get the Burger Meister Meister Burger with Paul Freeze. And he's such a great villain because he's just a mean guy because he embarrassed himself tripping over a toy and broke his leg. And so he's panning <laughs> toys for everybody. <laughs> Right. Well, and you got to love how everything is it's gray and gloomy and the mm-hmm. whole town is just done in all these different grays. Yep. It's just somber town. That, <laughs> right. Just sets that tone of being moody and horrible. And then you got that deep burger, Meister, Meister burger. <laughs> yes. Uh, what's cool is uh, I cannot think of the little sidekick's name, but he's Paul Freeze as well. Yes, sir. <laughs> Which yes. you wouldn't Grimsley. think. But, oh, Grimsley. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Paul Freeze was just awesome. <laughs> Paul Freeze could always do all different voices. And the thing that's funny is you always knew it was Paul Freeze, but you didn't care. Right. <laughs> you just loved his characters. 
Oh yeah, definitely. You know, and this this one was good. I mean, it, the songs were always fun. Um, you know, it it tells that story. Like I said, it goes in and explains a lot of the different fun things. Now, you know, it it doesn't wrap everything up, but you know, when you're showing it to like a, a five and six year old, it really does answer every question you could have. Yep. The only other questions, I, what I would really love to see is a well-done animated... Well, VeggieTales did this once, but uh, a really well-done animated special to tell of the actual guy, St. Nicholas. A remarkable man. I think that's something I would love to... If I have kids, I would love to teach my kids about him. Uh, because there is a really good example uh, for people. And why he became known as the patron saint of children. And why he became so famous that... Suddenly we've got a fantastic poem and now all these legends of Santa Claus. Well, definitely. You know, and I live in Wisconsin. So for us, we just celebrated the Feast of St. Nick this last uh, last week or so, uh, where that's a big thing. It's not celebrated all around the United States, but it is in places like, I believe, Ohio, Wisconsin, uh, St. Louis, Texas, a couple other places. And if you know, if you Wikipedia, you can scroll down to the United States version. But St. Nick comes on the evening of the 5th. And on the 6th, you usually have your stockings out above your fireplace. And then he kind of leaves you some sugary treats, a little toy. And it's kind of like a, have you been good so far before Santa arrives? <laughs> that sounds like fun. I think I want to participate in that now. Yep. Just like I said, Wikipedia, scroll on to how the United States celebrates. And maybe you can bring it to where you live. Because like I said, it's not it's not practiced all around the United States. Only in a couple of key states right, right now. But it's been going on my whole life. Wow. See, that's very cool because it wasn't until like later years that I actually did some research to figure out, well, who was St. Nicholas anyway? And then you learn uh, – I think uh, there's an Adventures in Odyssey episode where they tell a lot of the stories about him and uh, there's a lot of research. There was going to be a live-action film I saw once a long time ago that was kind of being independently funded uh, that they were trying to tell the story of St. Nicholas, uh, which I don't know whatever happened to it. I guess maybe it fell through. Maybe they couldn't get enough funding because it was going to be a very expensive, but uh, it's definitely worth some research. Yeah, definitely. Well, and of course, like you said, Adventures in Odyssey, you can't go wrong with that because you have Katie Lee, who's part of that, who mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't even have to go into her Disney credits. <laughs> Look up Katie Lee and, uh, you know, voiceover work. Yeah. Or either that or go back. It's like episode three or four. It's very early on in the Neverland podcast. We did talk to Katie Lee. It was my first interview. It was really fun. And she's actually made a few other appearances on the show. So, yeah, definitely go ahead and dig those up. All righty. But moving on to the second Mickey Rooney Santa Claus that at least I have on the list. Because uh, it's the only one's ranking best, did. The <laughs> Year Without a Santa Claus, December 10th, 1974. Which now, I believe, this was based off of a book. Yes, yes. by uh, Phyllis McGinley's 1956 book, illustrated by Kurt Worth. Yes, it is a fun book. Um, you know, it is, a, it is a good book. And, uh, you know, I've actually read that book. Uh, not until, let's just say, I've seen the special first. And then growing up, I, did, I made it a point to go read the book. Yeah, I'm going to have to check this Christmas collection, see if it's in there. Because I don't yeah. imagine it's that long of a book. No, it's not It's not horribly long. Um, you know, the biggest thing is everybody realizes that the year without a Santa Claus, everybody likes to promote it as uh, – they like to promote it as the Miser Brothers. And they are the <laughs> unsung heroes of this special. You know, you got Heat Miser, Snow Miser, and they kind of went on to be this iconic role and duo that – you know, people ended up loving that actually weren't in it for very long. 
Yeah, they just each have a song and then they get told off by Mother Nature. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, you know, it is a it is a great special. And like you said, Mickey Rooney gets to be Santa once again, mm-hmm. um, which is always fun. And then you had George Irving, who, you know, just recently has passed away, which was sad to hear. Um, and then, you know, Shirley Booth. Everybody loves Shirley Booth. And this was actually her last thing she ever did in Hollywood and decided to retire after this as Mrs. Claus. Yeah, and I know I know her voice every time I hear it uh, and her name, but I actually am not sure what all she's been in. I'm gonna look her up real fast. Yeah, she has done a lot of great things. I mean, and Hazel, there we go. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It's it's you know Shirley Booth was great as well, and like like you said, this special was fun. I mean, of course, Santa needs a break. No one cares about Christmas, and isn't that something that everybody continues to talk about even nowadays? Where everybody's like oh it's it's getting overlooked with presents and it's being too commercialized i mean you look Mm -hmm. at how many specials and how many christmas specials focus on that this just goes to show you it has been something that's been going on for years and years not just recently and you know this was their way of tackling that and santa needs a break and of course realizes somebody does care and these kids Mm -hmm. do care yep and it isn't just about the presents they like santa himself (laughs) so yeah and that's I, I really like the, uh, the let's see well, I find that song list I like to still like the, my best song where it's I believe in and Christmas I believe like in Santa I believe Claus. in love yes. yes I believe in Santa Claus oh that, that is a great track I mean and, and like you said and you got the Heatmeisters track but I believe in Santa Claus is always a good one um, mm-hmm. it, it's always a it, it's just one of those where all right it's not the perennial where the whole family's going to sit there and get teary eyed but it's one that you just put on and it makes it feel Christmassy. Yes, and it and, and that song, I it just it has a bit of a faith message to me. You know, there's stuff like love. You really can't see it, but you know it's real. Definitely. Well, my... well, <laughs> oh, definitely. You know, and 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 this special, like I said, you know, everybody knows the Heat Miser, Snow Miser, which right. have kind of stole the show over the years. Uh, but it goes beyond that. It just goes beyond just more give up on the commercialism hey this and that show santa you care show him you love him and of course this went on to be a live action film as well called the year without a santa claus which wasn't based off of the rankin bass it, it, let's just say this it wasn't made by rankin bass right but they really did copy the rankin bass special <laughs> to bring it to live action it wasn't great um it had john goodman and chris Catan in it right but but you know it doesn't live up to that but if you just need even more heat miser snow miser now you can get the miser <laughs> brothers christmas the live action watch this one maybe you just can't get enough of santa trying to give up on christmas yeah and one thing i always find kind of funny uh there's a big mistake uh, where Mother Nature, when she has summoned the Miser Brothers, she tells the wrong brother on who, because, all right, so the heat, the heat Miser is the one who has to allow snow to fall in Dixie. And <laughs> the, the, the Snow Miser is the one who has to allow some warmth on the North Pole. But yet she points to the Heat Miser say, you allow there to be some warmth on the North Pole. I'm like, well, no, he's he's got no problem with putting on the North Pole. You've got to just get the Snow Miser to allow it to happen. So she actually points to the wrong wrong brother when she's given the instructions and trying to tell him off, which I always find really <laughs> comical. <laughs> well, I guess you got to look at it as a lot of the stop motion things were created overseas. So, right. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe they're like, yeah, we'll just make our point here. Yeah, they didn't know which one she was talking about. Although clearly, the guy who looks like he's on fire is the heat miser. You know, <laughs> you'd think yeah. they'd figure that out, but well, you know, you know, it's one of them little things. I just have a little giggle. 
Yeah, well, and it does have some great songs. Like, it's going to snow in Dixie. That's always a fun yes. one as well. And then Jingle and Jangle, the elves, the bumbling yes. elves. Oh, uh, I love this too. Know, so, so it is – it's a fun story, a great book. Um, and like I said, you know, it produced by all the guys that we already know. You know, uh, once again, Maury Law is doing the music. And it's just they they had a stride, and they knew where to where to push everyone's buttons to just capture the holidays. Yeah, and a great use of the song Blue Christmas. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great use of it, especially, you know, I love those uh, those diamond gemmed looking teardrops all the time. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I love it. And that that little bit gets to me, too. Even though I'm used. I love the Elvis version of that song, but this is the way it's done and presented. Oh, it's all oh, good stuff. Good stuff. The only question I'd have to have with this special is, where is Rudolph? But then uh, you know, we got an answer to that question by uh, by Ray Stevens. He's on a stakeout at your house. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, come on. It can't be a uh, – he can't save winter every year. <laughs> but so why really, not? Because he even saves New Year's. He's just kind of he's just kind of like the MVP. You know what I mean? He right. just kind of sits off to the side until he's needed. <laughs> <laughs> Which – that's one of the other things I always thought was funny is when you watch the uh, – Rudolph's Happy New Year – Suddenly his antlers have, have gotten smaller and he seems younger again. Right. And it takes place right after that night. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like, where'd your antlers go? You've shrunk about, uh, you know, half your size there as you were at the end. You're no longer a grown up reindeer. Oh, right. Well, and the same thing happens with Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July. <laughs> right. You know, there's a couple of those where you're like, OK, but you just you just don't deal. It's no different than Rapunzel's hair getting cut off. And wait, what do you know? There's Rapunzel with all her hair. <laughs> yeah, at least they came up with an excuse for it. Well, now, but think of all the Disney animated features that do that, and the kids go, and the kids go to the park and don't put two and two together. I want to meet the Beast. Well, shouldn't he be that prince over there, not a monster? Yeah, but and even on Netflix, they have that uh, that Christmas special of from the House of Mouse, and he's in full Beast form. Exactly. So you know, you just got to write some things off. <laughs> oh goodness. If you were to nitpick about every inconsistency, nothing would be made right. Exactly. You would forget to just have fun with it. Which is kind of our theme around here. We just want to have some fun with it. Uh, (laughs) That's our major list of the top four, but we got to have some honorable mentions in here, like uh, The Little Drummer Boy. Oh, yeah. There's The Little Drummer Boy, which everybody knows that track. And, of course, that one that one went on to win many awards and things like that as well. True Christmas classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Little Drummer Boy book, too. You also have Pinocchio's Christmas, uh, The Cricket on the Hearth. You have, uh, what else is there? The Stingiest Man in Town. You got, uh, let's see, Leprechaun's Christmas Gold. That's always a fun one as well. Uh, you know, some great Rankin Bass productions in there. I mean, Le- Leprechaun's Christmas Gold is fun. Where else can you have Leprechaun's Gold, Banshees, and still tie it to Christmas in some way? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the Cricket on the Hearth, that's, I think it's another Charles Dickens book, isn't it? Yes, it is. Because uh, actually at Barnes & Noble, I did see a book. That was, it was paperback, though, that had A Christmas Carol and The Cricket on the Hearth together with it. So I, I almost got that one until I found this hardcover one. I was like, okay, I'm going to go with this hardcover because I love hardcover books. Because oh, paperbacks, yeah. I'm so rough with. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and there are a lot of good ones. I mean, like you said, one that I really love is The First Christmas, the story of the first Christmas snow um, with, with Angela Lansbury. That one is a fantastic Rankin-Bass special. Um, if no one's familiar with it, it's about a little boy who's blind. Angela Lansbury is a nun. So they, these nuns kind of take them into this boarding school. And during the first Christmas, 
Christmas snow. All he wants is to feel the snow, see the snow, and uh, pretty much in the end, let's just say, spoiler alert, he gets healed. But wow. it's a gr- great story. Angela Lansbury connects it. We all know her from Disney as well, and that's a great Rankin Bass one. Um, mm-hmm. And like I said, Little Drummer Boy is always good. Um, you have Nestor, the long-eared donkey, which... That bring your you, tissues. Yes, you could bring your <laughs> tissues. Now, you have to figure out, this is where I'm going to veer a little bit, because you have Disney's small one, and you have Nestor, the long-eared donkey, both telling the story about an odd donkey that is the one that's supposed to carry Mary to the to, to Bethlehem. So now you got to figure out which one do you like more. So that, that's a tough one. So you got to watch those back to back to see. Are you going Rankin Bass or are you going Disney? Uh, both. <laughs> <laughs> um, you have the life and adventures of Santa Claus as well. Mm-hmm. Like I said, Cricket on the Hearth, Frosty the Snowman, Frosty's Mr. Wonderland, Stingiest Man in Town, uh, Santa Baby. I mean, they have a lot of great Christmas holiday ones. And that's just for Christmas. I mean, they have holiday specials. There is a ton for Easter. Everybody knows Here Comes Peter his Cottontail, but mm-hmm. there's Easter Bunny coming to town, Mad Monster Party. And then for Christmas, let's not forget Twas the Night Before Christmas. I love that one. Narrated by Joel Gray, uh, 1974. Of course, they also released this one on Disneyland Records as well as an LP. Uh, so great Disney connection there as well. But Twas the Night Before Christmas, that's always a fun one. Animated in that like frosty style animation, mm-hmm. t- telling the story of the clockmaker. You know, Santa is about to bypass this town because he got a nasty letter saying that no one cared or believed him in, in him anymore. Yeah, I remember that there were some little mice that are like the heroes of that one that make the bell ring as Santa comes by. Or, or does, were they making it play music? I can't remember. Yes, the mice uh, actually live in the same house as a clockmaker, and the clockmaker has to make this clock to sing a song for Santa. So he hears it and realizes they still love him, want him to come to their town. And, of course, the mice, kind of the one son, screws it up and then ends up fixing it in the end. You know, so it's a great story, great tunes. I mean, that one has some fantastic music with it. Um, You have Pinocchio's Christmas, which is always fun as well. Um, And then, like I said, Leprechaun's Christmas Gold, which, come on, you have Art Carney in there. I mean, it's Art Carney. You can't go wrong with that. Uh, well, yeah, you can. The Star Wars Holiday Special has them in there, too. We won't talk about that one. <laughs> well, that one's just kind of disappears into oblivion, you know? Yeah, yeah. it got blown up by a Death Star. It no longer exists. That's all. <laughs> but, I mean, there are some great, fantastic uh, specials. I mean, and these are ones that you could watch back-to-back. Most of them you can get on DVD, uh, VHS. Uh, like The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus, I believe you can get that sometimes on the Warner Brothers on-demand DVD service. Uh, you know, so there's some that are a little bit harder than others, but you can get them all. Yeah, and I think some are even available on iTunes. Uh, so if there, if I can find some links, I will put them in the show notes so you can go to iTunes and purchase yourself a copy. Definitely, yeah. Great, great. Like I said, there is a huge list of all those. And Rankin Bass, uh, you know, like I said, they have done so many things beyond just holiday specials. And I'll just say this one for anyone that's around my age. Let's just say, think Thundercats and Silverhawks. That's also Rankin Rankin Bass right there. And The Hobbit. Oh, and The Hobbit and Mm -hmm. Return of the King. Yeah, Return of the King is not as great, but uh, The Hobbit is fantastic. I love it. 
Yes, but you also need to find The Hobbit on the old video cassettes because the new DVD releases have entirely different scores and voiceovers, and it's not a clean transfer. Let's just say that. Oh, that's disappointing. <laughs> there is many inconsistencies because over time, a lot of their royalties either expired or switched hands. And then at one point, you know, you had Golden Books releasing stuff and Warner Brothers releasing stuff. And so there's a, there wasn't as good of upkeep as there is. Wow. Um, you know, but now there is. You have uh, a gentleman named Rick Goldschmidt who, you know, he runs Rankin Bass Archives and he has done his best to make it the most complete that it possibly could. Fantastic. And it definitely deserves to be archived and be able to be shared through generations because they're fantastic. And in the like the modern world, it seems like network television doesn't really want to show all of these specials anymore. In fact, you know, they don't show Garfield anymore. They've even cut even more out of Charlie Brown's Christmas. They keep cutting bits out of that. Uh, they cut things out of uh, Charlie Brown. Uh, even uh, The Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown has had scenes cut from it to where I'm thankful I have DVDs of the entire thing. And, you know, more and more they're cutting stuff out of Rudolph. And it seems now that they'll wait like the day after Thanksgiving. They want to hurry up and just get their Christmas specials out of the way. And they don't let it build like used to be when we were kids. You know, you'd you'd have every week there'd be different specials. And so you would just get more excited for Christmas and more specials to watch. And you were just loving it. And now, you know, they're, they're like they're gone out of the way and really sitcoms i don't even know if most sitcoms do a christmas episode anymore well there are a lot of them do christmas episodes it just depends on what kind of sitcom you're watching yeah Um, a lot of them do still do it and i know disney channel does it um they just recently had their stuck in the middle stuck at christmas christmas movie um you know so people still do it i think the biggest thing is I, i think the big misconception is everything's on demand or everything's streaming or everything is this but that's not the point. The point is to make it seem something special. If you make it seem special, it's going to be special. You yeah. know, there, there's something different about sitting down and watching these specials with your family, like I do with my kids, as opposed to saying, yeah, here, I'm queuing up Rudolph for you on your iPad. Yeah, there's something missing without having that CVS special presentation. Right. It, it, there, there is something about that, you know, and I think that goes for everything, even for Disney. You know, mm-hmm. too many times people will say, you know, uh, you know, Disney just isn't doing it or, you know, my kids aren't into Disney as much as me. Well, how special did you make it for them? You know, it, it, to me, uh, that's going to be a whole nother issue. We could have a whole nother conversation about that oh, because yeah. too many times I hear people saying, I want to wait till they're old enough to remember it. Well, you do that. It's not going to be special to them. Yeah, the magic isn't quite as... Although right. some of us are just big kids like me that my first time going to a Disney park was when I was 32. Uh, but it was life-altering. But I was I, I loved Disney since I was a kid. When I loved the old Disney Channel where it was a paid premium service, but they showed Mickey Mouse cartoons, classic Mickey Mouse cartoons, classic Disney films. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, can't, I can't get into the modern Disney Channel. I don't like a lot of their sitcoms. They're... They're just, I don't know, the jokes are flat to me. They just don't carry. But I'm, I'm getting to where I just don't watch sitcoms anymore anyway. But, you know, occasionally you do get something good, like uh, The Big Hero 6. Uh, I liked that. Uh, the Tangled series was kind of hit or miss for me. You know, it's, occasionally you do get a series on there, but a lot of their live action, it seems too much like they're trying to mirror what Nickelodeon started doing. And the Nickelodeon shows, I really don't find those amusing. But maybe I'm just not that target audience for those shows. I don't know. Well, right. And Nickelodeon has lost its share, too, because it's to the point now where even uh, – uh, Universal has gone ahead and created Universal Kids, so they're mm-hmm. tapping into that kids market now. Yep, 
and they're rebooting the Ninja Turtles for some reason I still haven't figured out. But I guess we'll see when they <laughs> when we, we see this new Ninja Turtles series. Maybe they find out they can do it somehow better. I mean, I don't know. Because I thought they were doing pretty good with what they had. But, you know. Never know. We'll see. I think they took a note from Disney where Disney liked to kind of rehash a series under a different name and treat it like it's a new series. Hello, uh, Spider-Man Unlimited, Spider-Man Sinister Six, and uh, Web Warriors, and however many times they redid it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, <sighs> definitely. Well, that's a whole other conversation. Whole other conversation. We could rant and rave on that for a long time, but we probably should get this moving on and get this show closed out. Uh, i got to remind everybody to go to DizRadio.com, which, speaking of being stuck at Christmas, uh, I have to see. It was, well, go a couple of episodes back. It was the beginning of the Christmas uh, specials that you had. Uh, Irene, I think was her name? No, Irene is Pocahontas. Irene, uh, yep, Irene Bedard is Pocahontas. She was our most recent guest this last week. And then uh, a week before that, we had Serena Vincent, who old schoolers will know her as the Yellow Power Ranger from Power Rangers Lost Galaxy. But she's also the mother on Stuck in the Middle currently. Uh, so she is there as well. And coming up this next week, we have Sean Marshall, who you know as Pete from Pete's Dragon. And he is also the voice of the little boy in a special I already mentioned, Small One. Which I'm going to go on to YouTube and see if I can find that entire special so I can watch it now. Because <laughs> so, I'd never heard of it. It was you, know, you posted that up on Facebook, and I was like, I don't know this one at all. So. <laughs> it is a fantastic special. It'll make you cry at the end. Oh, boy. Well, at least I got tissues in the living room, so I'm prepared. <laughs> but thanks so much for coming to Neverland with us and sharing all your fun with Rankin Bass, because I love it, too, and I'm sure most people do. Definitely. Well, and it was our, my pleasure having you on. And like I said, everybody can check us out at DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio.com. And yeah, I'm always ready to come back, talk about Rankin Bass, talk about Disney, talk about anything. Yep. And it was funny that you just said uh, that you enjoyed having me on because we're actually in Neverland. <laughs> uh, you know what? <laughs> that That's the flip, right? I'm used to that. <laughs> yes. Getting that, to that's be the a entire guest. twist. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my goodness. All righty. Well, we'll see you all next week. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page, where you can find out how to become an official lost boy or pixie, because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander! Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit Patreon.com slash NeverlandPodcast to donate to Keeping the Pixie Dust Alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah! Hello everybody, this is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. 
Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, it's true. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.